0: Hey, you remember uh, a number of years ago, whenever you would watch um, NFL football on TV, that inevitably you would see this guy in the stands in the end zone with a multicolored afro, and he would be holding up a sign that said, John 3.16, exactly. He was making a statement about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And think about it, the, the gospel is the best news that has ever been recorded. In fact, the word gospel is an old English word that simply means good news. Um, look in your notes there at, at 1 Corinthians 5, two. Uh, Paul said, it is this good news that saves you. Now, I find it ironic that the good news consists of the terrible, horrible news of the excruciating crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. Horrible news equals good news. And and yet that's what the Scripture is telling us. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why? Why would God allow His Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer crucifixion like that? why, Why would He do that? Well, the answer is found in John 3:16, that that most famous uh, verse from, from Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the, the, that verse is the gospel, the good news in a nutshell. And if you were just to uh, memorize one verse out of the entire Bible, this is it. This is the one that you need to memorize because it's the gospel. It's the good news summarized. See, this verse explains why God created you. It explains why you're here on this earth. It explains why Jesus came to die. And it it tells you how you can have your ticket punched to heaven where where you can be with him for all of eternity. Uh, Notice in this verse, there are 25 words. The middle word, the 13th word is that word son referring to Jesus Christ. The 12 words before that talk about God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. And then comes that word son. And then after that, the next 12 words all talk about humanity, us, where it says that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And you know what? That in itself is a picture. Because here is Jesus Christ come to earth, to become a bridge between God and man that we might know God, that we might have a relationship with God. I think one of the greatest weaknesses of our society, our generation, is what I would call short-term thinking. We have this idea that this life is all there is. But what I want you to realize is that we're going to spend far more time on the other side of the grave than we are on this side of the grave. I mean, you're going to spend 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years on this side of the grave, but you're going to spend trillions and trillions and zillions and jillions of years on that side of the grave. So don't you think we ought to take a little time in this life to ensure that that we're prepared for that life? And so I want to talk this morning about what are the things you need to do to prepare for eternity? What are the things you need to do to make sure that you have an eternity secure uh, with Christ in heaven? And so there are four things, four essentials, really, to prepare us for living uh, for, for eternity. First of all, you need to acknowledge God's love for you. We just sang about that. You need to realize how much God loves you it all starts with you understanding I mean how amazingly and extravagantly God loves you God is passionate about you you know a lot of people think that God is mad at them folks God is not mad at you God is mad about you he's passionate about you that's the the whole reason you're alive it says God so loved the world you look at the events of the cross that says that God loves us with an amazing love. God created everything so that we could, we could be uh, created, so that we could be objects of his love. And so he says here, God so loved the world. That word so is important because it really talks about how extravagant God's love is. <laughs> that it is a love that is beyond comprehension. In fact, you and I will never in this life be able to comprehend how amazing God's love is because we don't have the brain capacity for that, right? Um, But the Bible says he created the entire universe so that he could create human beings so that he could love us. Look at 1 John 4, 9, and 10. It says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You see, God didn't just say he loved us, but he showed us his love. He, he proved his love uh, through the most expensive way possible by sacrificing his own son for us. And so when Jesus was nailed on the cross and he's stretching out his arms, he's saying to us, this is how much I love you. I love you this much. I love you so much it hurts me. I would rather die than live without you. That's how much God loves us. And even if you had been the only person on earth and you had messed up, you had sinned, and, and as a result of that you needed a Savior, Jesus Christ still would have come just for you and he would have died to give you redemption. That's how much he loves you. And, and that love of God for you it really is, it has four dimensions to it. Paul tells us this in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 18. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. See, God says, I don't want you just to know that I love you. I want you to feel my love for you. Have you ever felt God's love? I I, I mean, I know we say, you know, I believe God loves me. But we need to learn to really feel it. God says, my love is long, and it's wide, and it's deep, and it's high. How long is God's love? Well, it's long enough to last forever, and that's the difference between God's love and human love. Don't, don't you realize human love kind of fades away sometimes? But God will never, ever, ever stop loving us, <coughs> and it's wide enough to be everywhere. There is no place where we can go where we are outside of the love of God. Now, you may feel sometimes that um, his love is absent, but the fact of the matter is not, he's not absent. You know, you may feel alone, but you will never be alone. God's love is everywhere, and it's wide enough to be everywhere. And then, it's deep enough to handle everything. I don't care what you're confronted with, problems and pressure and stress and and troubles. You, You might say, hey, I'm in the pits right now. God's love is in that pit. In fact, there is no pit so deep that God's love isn't deeper still. And then finally, God's love is high enough to overlook mistakes. God loves to forgive. God loves to help you start again. And I believe that, that God brought you here this morning so that he could simply say to you, I love you. I love you. So that's the starting point to really understanding and preparing for eternity, to understand and, and to, uh, to, to really acknowledge God's love for you. But a second thing there, you need to appreciate God's gift. Appreciate God's gift. You see, God has a gift for you, and that gift is his very own son. That's the second part of this famous verse. It says, God so loved the world, and then listen, that he gave his only begotten son. That's his gift. And God says, I want you to appreciate that gift. Now, notice here. I want you to catch this. He didn't say, God so loved the world that he sent an angel. He doesn't say that God so loved the world that he sent a, a you know, a prophet or some kind of, of a godly teacher or a, you know a, a moral ethical leader or anything like that no it says he sent his only begotten son now what does that mean what it means is god is saying i'm coming myself i'm coming to earth in human form you see that's who jesus christ is he is god in the flesh flesh and blood, that's, he's God's son. He's the physical representation of God on earth. And so Jesus Christ says, I am coming to earth for your sins. Look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 and following. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins. For God, uh, uh, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So why did Jesus Christ have to die? It's right there in, in verse 23. The Bible says that nobody is perfect. We've all made mistakes. We've all blown it. I mean, I don't live up to my own standards, much less God's standards. And neither do you. The Bible says all have sinned. That means me. That means you. That means the Pope. That means Taylor Swift. That means uh, Shoney Otani. Uh, that means Ashley Evans, okay? Everybody's blown it. Everybody is a sinner. I have never met anybody who's claimed to be perfect unless they were out of touch with reality, okay? Because nobody bats a thousand, nobody is perfect. The Bible says all have sinned. And so if you do the crime, you pay the time, okay? And and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And he's talking about spiritual death here. So that means that somebody's got to pay the penalty for your sin. So either you pay it or somebody else pays it. And that's where God steps in. And he says, you know what? I'll do it. I created you. I love you. I will pay all the things that you've ever done. I'll pay the penalty for that. Now, what does that really mean? Think about it. It means that everything that you've ever done wrong, everything that I've ever done wrong, everything that I'm going to do wrong that I don't even know about, and everything you are going to do that you don't even know about, all of that has been paid for (coughs) by Jesus Christ on the cross. Folks, that's the good news. It's already paid for. Look how how the Bible explains that in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Man, what a deal is that? I mean, there's a a word for that, and that's the word grace. When God gives you what you need rather than giving you what you deserve. Um, And so here's the deal. I mean, God is saying, you know, hey, I'm going to take all of Sam Crouch's wrongdoings, and I'm gonna lay them on my son Jesus Christ and he's gonna pay for those on the cross and then I'm gonna take all the good of my son Jesus Christ and I'm gonna lay it on Sam Crouch so that he can get into heaven that's what, a, what the Bible calls a great exchange a great exchange we exchange our sins for his righteousness um, this is kind of what the gospel writers were talking about when they were telling the story of Jesus in the garden of gethsemane if you remember that story it's the night that jesus is betrayed he's praying in the garden and he's really struggling he's in agony in fact it says that he was sweating great drops of blood he was in such intense uh, struggle here and it wasn't that he was anticipating the physical or the emotional ordeal that he was going through he knew the intense physical suffering that was going through i mean obviously he was god But that's not the issue here, he's dealing with something entirely different. The real issue is that he realized that he was going to take the blame, he was going to take the guilt for every evil thing that had ever been done in the history of the world. And so that's why, you know, in the garden he's praying, and imagine the burden that's here, and he says, Father, if there's any way possible, if there's anything other way to do this, then take this cup of suffering from me nevertheless thy will be done i see when jesus is symbolically looking in that cup of suffering he sees every sinful deed that has ever been committed he realizes that he's going to take the blame for every rape for every child molestation for every wife that's been beaten Uh, he's going to take the guilt for every murder for every lie for every jealousy for every unfaithfulness for every adultery uh, for all the pornography in the world he's going to take the guilt for every sin, for every theft. He's going to take the guilt for the Holocaust and the killing fields and the Nazi regime, all of that, the mass murders and all of that in history. He's taking it all on himself. And that's what he's struggling with because he knew when that happened that he was going to be separated from God. Because God can't look on sin, God is holy. And, and I read this scene, scene in the Gospels and I kind of imagine in my mind that. Jesus is praying there in the the garden, and and he says, Father, if there is any way, or is there any other way that Sam Crouch can get into heaven other than I take all of his sins on myself and die on the cross? And God says, Son, you know that. No, there is no other way that Sam Crouch can get into heaven because heaven is perfect, and I can't allow sin into heaven. So somebody's got to pay for Sam Crouch's sin, either he does Or you do and there on the cross Jesus goes he goes through all the suffering all the scourgings they put the nails in his hands and he says father you said that that the only way that Sam can can get to heaven is that I take the judgment on myself and Jesus says let the judgment fall and the sky grows dark and for three and a half hours heaven is silent and out of that agony, Jesus cries out, Lama Suboxone, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God the Father says, son, you're carrying Sam Crouch's sins. You're carrying the sins of all the world, and I've got to turn my back. Folks, that is love in the first degree. I mean, when they nail those, put those nails in the hands of Jesus Christ, those nails went straight into the heart of God the Father. now think about this if there had ever if there was any other way that that uh, you know you could be forgiven so that you could get into heaven besides Jesus dying for your sins, don't you think God would have chosen that i mean l- let's say there were two different ways don't you think God would say well let's do the more convenient way. Let's don't get into all this suffering and crucifixion stuff. Let's, let's do the other way. <clears throat> of course he would have. Friends, there is no other way. There is no other way for you to get into heaven except through the death of Jesus Christ because heaven is a perfect place, and frankly, you're not, and I'm not, okay, Right? And the only way that you're going to get into heaven is on the ticket that Jesus Christ bought for you with his, with his blood. Otherwise, Jesus' death would be an absolute, total, unmitigated waste if there was another way for us to get into heaven. So that's God's gift to us. And, and I want, to, want you to know this is very important. It's not what you do that gets you into heaven. It's what Jesus Christ has already done for you. Um, Let me let me give you a quick little history in the world religions. If you go study the world religions, um, you can summarize all of the world's religions down to one word and that's the word do. All of them have a list of things that you're to do to to please God and that's what they're trying to do. You know, just please God by doing, doing, doing these things. The difference between religion, all those religions, and Jesus Christ is the fact that it's nothing you do, it's what Jesus Christ has already done for you. Uh, Jesus says, I've already done it. I've already paid the price. It's a finished product. I've already paid for the sins of every, everyone. All you need to do is appropriate that gift in your life. These are the essentials. For getting ready for the other side of death. First, you acknowledge God's love for God so loved the world. And then you appreciate his gift that he gave his only begotten son. He came to earth and he died for us. So then what's next? The third essential is you need to accept his proposal. (coughs) Accept his proposal. Uh, And it's a great proposal. He has an incredible offer for you. One like probably you've never received before in your life. It's this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then here's the proposal that whoever believes in him should not perish. Now notice who is in this proposal. This offer is for everyone. Titus 2 for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. It's offered to everybody. In fact, Uh, The Bible gets even more specific. Paul writing in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11 says this, This new life, it doesn't matter if uh, you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. (coughs) So notice, it doesn't matter how much money you have whether you're rich or whether you're poor whether you have a little or a lot it doesn't matter about your economic status it it doesn't matter about your ethnic or your racial background it doesn't matter about your social status in life whether you're famous or not and it doesn't matter what your religious background is Uh, folks uh, jesus died for you you can be catholic you can be jewish you can be baptist you can be hindu you can be uh, greek orthodox you can be buddhist you can be muslim uh, you are no religious background at all Jesus still died for you and he wants you to have a relationship with him with God through him and notice in this next verse how you accept God's proposal Romans three twenty-two: we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and this is true for everyone who believes no matter who you are and I I'm so grateful for that last part of that verse No matter who we are, Christ died for us. You know, somebody says, man, I've messed up my life too much. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Or you might say, well, I've lived my life without God way too long. No, you haven't. Folks, what matters is the direction your feet are pointing right now. Are you moving toward Christ? That's the important thing. See, there's only one condition to accepting God's proposal for eternal life. Only one. And what is it? you trust you trust you trust him it says whoever believes in him will not perish now believing is not knowing that's not what that word means it means trusting it's not just knowing about Jesus okay if all you're saying is I believe in God well big deal the devil also believes in God but he's not gonna be in heaven folks you know so it's not just believing Uh, here's the problem There are a lot of people who are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. It's a matter of having head knowledge or heart truth. Uh, They know about God, they believe he's the Son of God, but they don't have a trust in their heart. Let me illustrate it this way about wondering about this chair. I believe this is a chair. Looks like a chair, feels like a chair smells like a chair probably tastes like a chair if you're into tasting chairs okay all right but is this chair doing me any good i believe it's a chair doing me any good what do i have what do i need to do for this to do me good i've got to put the whole weight of my life on this chair and that's what the word believe means it means to lean on to depend on To put the full weight of your life in him. And so what we're talking about is Jesus Christ died and paid the penalty for my sin and I'm going to depend on that exclusively to say, God, why should you let me into heaven? Because I am trusting what Jesus Christ did. Not because I'm I'm a good person, but because of what he did. That's the truth that's there. (coughs) And so the question is, have you personally Have you personally accepted what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross? Are you trusting him? Are you leaning on him? Are you depending on him? If you haven't, you need to do that today. In fact, I think God's brought you here for this day that you could hear this. You need to accept God's proposal that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. One more thing, and that is the fourth essential, and that is you anticipate God's promise. You anticipate God's promise. God so loved, you know, we we acknowledge his love for me. And then that he gave his only begotten son, that's the gift he wants to give me. That whosoever believes in him, that's the condition, that's the proposal. And then comes the promise, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know that you were made to live forever? Uh, You know, one day you're going to die. Your heart's going to stop beating, and that's going to be the end of your body. But, folks, that's not the end of you. Uh, God wants you to be in heaven with him, not in hell. Now, what is hell? Hell is, was reserved for the devil and his demons. And, and a lot of people have myths about heaven. They think that heaven is a place where if you're very, 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 very bad, you go to hell, you know, like an axe murder or something like that. And then they have also a skewed idea about heaven. Heaven is there. If if you're really pretty good, you're going to end up in heaven. Um, Most of us, you know, want to be good enough to go to heaven and bad enough to have some fun here while we're here on earth or something like that, you know, whatever. But the fact is, you can't be good enough to get into heaven on your own. That's why Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for you. And, and if you could get into heaven without that, then his coming to earth and dying was a total waste. See, the truth is heaven is a perfect place. And again, you and I are not perfect. And what I want you to know, God doesn't grade on the curve, okay? I, have you ever been to an amusement park and they've got these rides and by the the entrance to the ride are these little signs that say, to ride this ride, you've got to be this tall. And, you know, you got little kids there jumping up I'm and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm that tall, I'm that tall. Well, can you imagine getting to heaven and God's got this 1,000 foot high sign that says, to get into heaven, you've got to be this perfect. I'm not, and, and you're not. A- and remember, God is gathering together his forever family, made up of his children, and every, uh, all of God's children are guaranteed heaven. Now, here's the key thing. The problem is that everybody's not a part of God's family. And we need to clarify this. We need to be clear on this. Everybody is created by God, but not everybody is a child of God, okay? Uh, The the fact of the matter is only those who choose and say, God, I want to be in your family, and I'm going to do it through depending upon, putting my weight upon what Jesus Christ has done for me. Those are the ones who become a part of God's forever family. Look at John 1.12. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. It's a choice. And the fact is, there are a lot of people who go through life choosing to thumb their nose at God, saying to God, hey, you know, I'll do it my way. I don't need you in my life. And, and you know, you may think that right now. You've got a great life. Okay, that's all well and good. But at some point in life, you're going to have a need. At some point in life, you're going to run into some trouble. At some point in life, you're going to experience a situation where you have no clue how to get out of it, and you're going to rediscover that you need God. Why wait until that point? Why waste months and years when you could have a relationship with God and his blessings on your life right now? Why wait on something? You know, in the gospel record, (coughs) Jesus was on trial before Pontius Pilate, and Pilate took Jesus out before the people, and he asked them a crucial question, and he said, what will you do with Jesus? That's the question I want to ask you this morning. What will you do with Jesus? It's the most important question that anybody could answer, because not only does it determine the quality of your life right now, but it also sets the stage for what's beyond the grave those trillions and trillions of years. It's going to determine that. So again, what will you do with Jesus? This morning, I ask you to commit your life to him. If you've never done that, let's bow for prayer.